you can listen to The Front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From The Australian, here's what's on The Front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Thursday, April 27. It's the budget promise that may never see the light of day. The government's promise to install nurses in aged care facilities on a 24-7 basis is being refined. That's because extreme worker shortages and shutdowns mean many facilities won't be able to meet the requirement. Management consultants from the University of Wollongong will propose alternatives to the 24-7 mandate. The woman dubbed Australia's worst female serial killer could be set free as an inquiry into her conviction comes to a close. Kathleen Volbeek was jailed for a minimum of 25 years in 2003 for the murders of her four children, all of whom were aged younger than two years when they died. In a stunning development, the New South Wales Director of Public Prosecutions Council, Sophie Callan SC, said there's reasonable doubt that Volbeek is guilty in yesterday's closing submissions. Callan accepted that fresh evidence in the 20-year saga could be Folbig's ticket to freedom. That fresh evidence is the contention of experts that the children, Patrick, Laura, Sarah and Caleb, died of natural causes linked to a rare gene mutation or another genetic disorder. Folbig's 2003 conviction was based on a circumstantial case that didn't establish the children's cause of death. Diary entries made following the deaths of each of her children bolstered the Crown's case at the time, but Miss Callan said yesterday that they couldn't be confidently interpreted as admissions of guilt. Thoughts are not facts and emotions are not intentions. In our submission, it's necessary to keep that in mind. That is, that recording of thought doesn't necessarily reflect the recording of a fact. Closing submissions in the inquiry continue today. It's the biggest shakeup of Australia's migration system in decades. Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill would today release a comprehensive review of Australia's flagging migration apparatus, and it could have consequences for all corners of Australian life, from the economy to our culture. That's in today's episode. Tonight we will be resolving uh, to move to a position where a travel ban will be placed on all non-Australian citizens coming to Australia, and that will be in place from 9pm tomorrow. On March 20, a little over three years ago, then-Prime Minister Scott Morrison closed Australia's international borders to all non-Australian residents. It was an attempt to stop the spread of COVID-19. It would be years before families were reunited, before students could return to campus, before working holidaymakers and skilled professionals could get stuck in. After 704 days, Australia has finally reopened. It's lovely to be here. We're so excited to be back in Australia. There were emotional scenes in Melbourne with families and friends reunited. It's been a long time coming, almost two years, but from today... Come and have one of the greatest experiences you could ever imagine. We're going to be open to the world. The border closures were a necessary evil before vaccines became widely available, but the reality is Australia has never fully recovered. Ours is a nation built on migration, and the sudden loss of this vital resource, migrants, has rippled through every part of our economy, our culture and our way of life. It's the reason new uni students are paying more for degrees. 
It's why it's taking months longer than is expected or necessary to build homes and infrastructure. It's why tourism operators have been losing billions of dollars every week. And it's why our healthcare and rental systems are buckling. Nurses, waitstaff, doctors, fruit pickers, childcare, aged care, every sector has suffered from the absence of migrants. In September, Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill announced a wide-ranging review of Australia's migration system. Determining who should be invited to join us in our national endeavours is one of the most important things that the Australian government does. And we're going to take a run at fixing it through a big piece of work being led by former Secretary... O'Neill appointed three of the nation's eminent thinkers in economics, law and foreign affairs to get to the bottom of what's going on and propose a path forward. It's got a real clear focus on a broken system. That's Jeff Chambers, the Australian's chief political correspondent. The review itself is around 190 pages and includes around 40 reform directions for the government to pursue. There were three people on that review panel and they were tasked with consulting with unions, business groups, migrant groups, academics, state and territory governments and officials in like-minded countries to map out a way forward to reform the migration system. The review has been handed to the government and O'Neill will present its findings in an address to the National Press Club today. She'll say that Labor is embarking on the biggest reforms to the migration system in a generation with a real key focus on skills and how we get better skilled migrants into the country. And the focus for too long has been around temporary visas and traditional professions that won't necessarily play central roles in a rapidly evolving modern economy. So it's about getting the right type of skilled worker into Australia and actually having the right settings to be able to get them into the country and keep them here. O'Neill will say in her speech that it's not purely about numbers. There's been such a focus for so long on caps, but the government wants to end this history of incrementalism in terms of migration reform. The Department of Home Affairs could be headed for a major shake-up too. The migration reforms will have some elements reflected in the May 9 budget. They want to move pretty quickly on this and I understand that there will be major organisational changes at the Home Affairs Department to better align the government's focus around migration and also cyber security because if they're going to change the way we approach migration and cyber, we need to have a fit-for-purpose bureaucracy that has actually got laser-like focus on these key priorities. It's clear the existing migration system has failed to keep pace with the way migration itself has evolved. So where are we at and where do we need to be? That's after the break. Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component oh, of that. I, I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts.
In the last couple of decades, Australia's migration patterns have shifted. We've been inundated by an unprecedented number of temporary workers and undocumented migrants. That's a problem for a couple of reasons. First, because it doesn't really do anything to address the chronic skilled worker shortages afflicting almost every industry in the country. And second, because it's created an underclass that's vulnerable to exploitation because of their undocumented status. So where is migration currently at? We're on the cusp of a boom with an additional 650,000 migrants expected to make their homes in Australia over the next few financial years. The turnaround is largely due to an increase of international students, working holiday visa travellers and permanent migrants. If not for the COVID pandemic, experts estimate migration levels would have been 473,000 people higher. That means pressure on certain sectors could be eased, and that's mostly a good thing, current rental crisis notwithstanding. The other issue that you'll see being raised off the back of the review's release is in terms of housing. So if we are bringing in waves of skilled workers from overseas, we've got to find somewhere for them to live and we've got to balance that with what is available in our current housing market. So there's a big challenge in that housing space. But if we want to fix hospitality, construction, healthcare, education and any number of other industries, The government needs to chart a new course on migration and fast. Independent modelling commissioned by the Migration Council of Australia shows we need to attract at least 250,000 migrants a year if we want to boost our economy by 2055. So could this review be the thing that does it? Claire O'Neill will say that Australia needs to build a new modern migration system because the existing system has failed Australians and failed migrants. She will also say that it will confront the unprecedented geopolitical circumstances and the need for Australia to build better sovereign capabilities to address those. Claire O'Neill's focus is very much getting the right skilled migrants into the country to match the gaps that we have in our workforce. Jeff Chambers is The Australian's chief political correspondent. Subscribers to The Australian get first access to our coverage and analysis of the government's migration review at theaustralian.com.au. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.